are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Hope everybody's having a great start to their work week. Happy Monday, everybody. You're on the line. Levi, how you doing, my man? I'm doing well. No complaints. Had a nice, safe trip this weekend to go see my mother for Mother's Day. I hope all the mothers out there had a great Mother's Day with their family or, you know, without their family. I had my stepmom tell me that one of the greatest gifts you can get is sometimes time away from the young ones. Because sometimes, you know, you put in so much work, the mothers out there, sometimes it's nice just to take a break, not have to, you know, catch your breath and not have to worry about it and put it on the father for once. As I said, I hope everybody's having a great start to their work week. Also, I hope everybody had a great weekend. Thank you for joining us on the line. However, you may be joining us, whether it's on air on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama or online on ESPNAU.com or FoxSports983.com as well as being able to watch us on Facebook on Radio Alabama Sports, ESPN 106.7, and Fox Sports Central Alabama Facebook pages, or if you're listening on the podcast after the fact in the future, however you may be listening to your podcast, we appreciate it. Levi, let's start off the show with some news this past weekend that reverberated around the conference. Henry To'o To'o announces his decision to join the Alabama Crimson Tide How does this impact the Alabama defense that will be moving on from Dylan Moses as he makes his jump to the NFL and life beyond college football? Three words. Rich get richer. And that's how it goes. I mean, you got an Alabama team who already has a plethora of riches, whether it be at that position or not. They're just getting a a great talent coming out of Tennessee. I think he makes an immediate impact on this Alabama team. And you noted they're moving on from Dylan Moses, who – did you know go to the NFL draft this year? I, I think it's a great way to replace him. You get a guy who has shown that even in the SEC alone, he's shown me in conference that he can play at a high level. I think it's a good move. I mean, I think it's a really great transfer pickup for Alabama. This is scary stuff. This oh, is scary yeah. stuff for the rest yeah. of the league. It's incredibly scary. I mean, you look at it when you... This is what is going to be one of the problems for the average fan who is not a fan of the Alabamas, the Clemsons, the Ohio States of the world with the new transfer rules, you might see some of these top-notch guys at a program who might be going through something like Tennessee. They might be in for some trouble or maybe they're at an SEC school or an ACC school, but the team itself really isn't performing that well. You could see one of these guys just hop ship and go to an Ohio State, an Alabama, a Clemson, a Georgia, and just go ahead and already add depth. Might be a three-star guy who was recruited out of high school who has become five-star talent over the course of his tenure at a university, and he's thinking, I'm a little bit better than where I'm at right now. I can go somewhere else like one of these bigger institutions and make an impact. And, I mean, for everybody else, 
You said it. It's scary, and you, you you don't like seeing it unless you're an Alabama fan. Because if you're an Alabama fan, this is a great pickup. And honestly, it's how they're going to be using the transfer market moving forward, I believe. You're going to see these bigger teams trying to get some of these guys who are top-notch talent, bring them in, and just keep adding to what they already have. And he's got two more years of eligibility remaining in college football. But... This thing's not a done deal yet. Of course, he is. He has announced his decision to transfer to Alabama, but despite the fact that the NCAA has a no-waiver rule, maybe that's not the best way for me to describe it, despite the fact that the NCAA just created a new transfer rule that allows guys to transfer without having to sit out a year, the SEC still has a rule for intra-conference transfers, and it doesn't get much more intra-conference than hopping ship from Tennessee and going to rival Alabama. It doesn't get much more interconference than that. And right now, in order for him to be able to play, he would need a waiver from the SEC. He would need he would need to be released. It, it, it would have to be Tennessee would either have to say that it's okay or the SEC is going to have to get rid of its rule, which most people believe that the SEC will get rid of its rule. Tennessee's also got another guy coming from Auburn on the basketball side that's waiting for that when you're talking about Justin Powell. So there are some, I went and looked in the transfer portal and we will talk about this later, but I went on to 24-7 Sports Transfer Portal to see how much intra-conference transferring was going on and there really wasn't a whole lot that happened. I tried to make a top five list of intra-conference transfers in the SEC and it includes a kicker if that tells you anything. Because there just wasn't a whole lot going on. And maybe that's because the rule is still in place in the SEC. Maybe not. We'll have to see, depending on what the SEC does, if they strike that rule down or not. But this is a seismic move. This by far the biggest player to make a move in the SEC to another SEC program. And he didn't just leave. And here's the other thing that I want to make. This isn't just like leaving from Missouri to Arkansas or from Auburn to Florida or or from Georgia to Arkansas or something like that and, and even Auburn Florida there's a little bit of a rivalry there but they don't play each other every year this guy th- this is a turncoat move right like he just left team that team A that hates team B with a fiery passion and team B hates team A with a fiery passion these two teams despise each other That's the other part when I said, this is scary because this guy just left Tennessee to go to Alabama. Now, this hasn't been much of a rivalry over the last 5,000 days, but or however long it's been. I think it has been 5,000 days since this year. Like, this year was the year that made it 5,000 days since Tennessee last beat Alabama. What was it, like 07, 06, something like that? I think it was 06. I'm bringing up the Twitter account that tracks the days right now just to go ahead and verify. So it's been forever since Tennessee has beaten Alabama. It hasn't been much of a rivalry in results, but you know, without a doubt, despite the fact that this has been insanely one-sided on the Alabama side of things. 5,320 days on May 5th. Oh, wow. That was on May 5th, so five. We're almost adding another year to that. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's getting up there, man. It's, it's been a long time since Tennessee. I wouldn't Tennessee. be shocked if this thing goes 10,000 days. I wouldn't be shocked. I really wouldn't. There, there's been stuff that's happened like that before. Think about Kentucky, Florida. It had been 30-plus years. It happens. It happens. So I wouldn't be shocked. But this is 
one of the uh, it's not pivotal because it it doesn't mean anything for the standings but it is a hallmark rivalry in the southeastern conference this rivalry has a name third saturday in october and this guy leaves tennessee to go to alabama that's seismic for me because i think it's signaling something that's going to happen in the future that we also saw in the nba the nba with the emergence of super teams and the free agency of the 2010s and trickling into where we are now there aren't rivalries in the nba anymore only in name you think back to celtics lakers that thing does not have the heat that it had back in the olden days these guys these players aren't getting juiced up because of the name on their uniform if anything it's player on player rivalries you know there are guys that just don't like each other don't get along you have you'll have a couple but they don't they don't have that longevity at that level no like it's, it's more or less like you had the Cavs Warriors for a few years because they're two best team but that's an irrelevant thing that was more or less and how often does that happen that you have those same two teams playing in the NBA finals back to back to back and that that's, and that's why and that's why it was a thing yeah. and it really wasn't even Cleveland versus the Warriors that's it was why more or less Celtics Lakers existed the way it did because, because it they played happening. every year it kept happening and now it's it's just a it's a market thing like the Boston market the Los Angeles market those fans don't like the other fans because they want their franchise to be the best franchise. And that's not going anywhere. But it's just like from a play, like if you're looking at it as the players playing each other. They don't, they, they don't care. Well, most of the guys in the NBA are also friends with each other. So yeah. like they're not, it's just not a heated knockout, drag out type of rivalry that you get at the college landscape, or the college level, especially within the SEC. And I'm wondering if we're heading in that direction in college football with the transfer portal allowing guys to leave after you know, however long they want, be able to get a free waiver, a free pass, be able to go wherever they want to go. I'm wondering if that's the direction we're heading in. The fans still going to be all up in each other's fans, business. Fans are always going They're to be going that to way. be vicious. That's part of the pageantry of college football. But I wonder if the players, who are all friends with each other, they played seven-on-seven seven against each other, social media, they all hit each other up. They They're all know recruit, each other. They try to recruit each other exactly. to their school. I mean, they all know each other. It makes me wonder if that's a direction that we're heading in college football because I don't think this happens. I, I, I have a harder time believing that this happens 25 years ago. Oh, I agree with that. I mean, I think it's been trending that way even before a transfer, like before the transfer rule came about, because all the things you just highlighted on the, also as well. Most of these schools are becoming more national in terms of their recruiting. So you think of Alabama, Auburn, the Iron Bowl. What fuels that rivalry? The fans hate each other. They see each other all year long. There's not a professional team for them to root for. This is what they do, and it lives all year long around here. Okay, you go get some kid from California or from Oregon, Washington, Michigan, whatever. They didn't grow up, grow up with that kind of mentality, so it doesn't mean as much to them as it does to the fans. And eventually, from a player perspective, it sort of dies down a little bit. The only rivalries that really get going are the ones that are highly competitive on both sides with national meaning or conference championships on the line. Other than that, it's not it's not the local nature of it. It's kind of died down because of how national it's gotten in general. Like just the sport in general has become more nationally based instead of just locally based. Also, think about think about the fact that this guy was a team leader. Like this guy had north of 70 tackles, averaged about 75 tackles across his two seasons at Tennessee like 75 tackles per season this guy was a leader 
at Tennessee in that linebacker room from day one. This guy moves on, goes on to Alabama. The way that folks are talking about this, I personally feel like would not be the same way folks would talk about it 25 years ago. They would have been like, oh man, this guy's guy's leaving his rival or leaving to go to his rival's school. And not only that, he's leaving the school that is getting beat. This is like Kevin Durant. I'm not going to say that this is to the degree of things that occurred with Kevin Durant in the NBA, but think about how Kevin Durant got smoked for leaving the Thunder to go to the Warriors and go and win a title. And now this guy's leaving the team that has lost to Alabama for 5,000 plus days. I'm not, I'm not trying, they're, they're not the same situation, but, and, I, and I'm not smoking the guy for this, go and do whatever you want, go wherever you want to go to school, but I'm shocked that more people aren't, aren't thinking, man, that's, that's not the, right. The way I see it is because he is a kid. I mean, it's a college yeah. athlete. That's a little bit different, especially when you compare it to the pro style of things. Sure. Also, at pros, you have more money involved in those you moves sometimes. You understand what I'm saying, though, right? Yeah, like, I mean, I still think, like, even some, even the people out there who don't have that, that filter of when they look at college athletes and go, I got to remember, this is a college kid. They can make mistakes. They might do things. Even the people who don't see it like that, and they're just like, oh, you quit on your team. Like Those days are kind of going away because when you look at it, the goal for a kid playing a college sport, for the most part, is usually next level. They want to get to the next level. And Alabama's going to do that for him. I was about to say, where's the best place you can go to do that? Alabama's going to do that for him. Because they are pumping more out. I mean, what, we have eight? Was it eight first-round picks or six first-round picks? However many was in the past draft this past week. You know, if you go to Alabama, you have it. It increases. It doesn't guarantee that you get to the league, but it definitely helps. You're always going to have eyes on you, and you see how many guys are getting pumped out there. It's a good place to go if you're looking out for yourself and what comes further. People aren't going to like that. There are going to be people who hate that mentality. They're going to think, oh, just play for the love of the game, play for your team. And I, I get that, but when you have generational wealth on the line, sometimes you got to make what happens. What What's going to benefit you, your kids, your grandkids, and your grandkids' kids in the later run in life? Right, and I'm not commenting on his move. I'm just saying I find yeah. it interesting. This is all no, going hand-in-hand yes. hand with the point that I was trying to make about how I think that the transfer portal and social media, the, the game is changing. The culture around yep. college football is changing. I would not be shocked if you see more stuff like this in the future. Not sitting here trying to call the guy like a no 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 like he's abandoning his team or anything like that. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just in the past if we had seen this 25 years it ago, would people have would have taken this personally. Yeah. And I I don't I don't see as many folks taking this personally or saying, man, that ain't right for that dude to leave his team or or something like that. They're like, yeah, man, go go do what's best for you, right? And it's interesting yes. to see that dynamic in college football these days especially in such a historic rivalry such as the third Saturday in October it's all it's, it's all very interesting this is a seismic transfer in college football for it's, me it's one of those transfers that landmark it could be like it could lead into more things like you said how you feel like it's shifting I don't think it sounded like you were advocating for you know the negatives like you know you know like you were criticizing or anything no you were saying that you were surprised that people weren't being more critical of it because typically that is how people have perceived these type of things and it just feels like fans of college football and people in the media have un- they understand now this is the way college football and college sports are trending towards with these new rules in place and with the ability to transfer it's going to become easier for a guy 
with the stature that he has to go to a rival team in his own conference and people not and there really, not be a whole lot of pushback. Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy. Like it's it's definitely I interesting to see. I think barriers are being broken right now. I think even amongst players like on the field there there will still be a large percentage of players that feel that rivalry on the field because college football is different than the professional level, but I do think that we will see more instances of this where that this is not going to be a barrier for some guys whereas 25 years ago the connection between Tennessee and Alabama, the close proximity, the rivalry nature would have been a barrier for them. This this is not a situation where it is. I, I want to see, because this is a high-profile college rivalry, but it has been pretty dormant for 5,324 five, uh, days. I don't like saying dormant because these two teams still – hate each other and but their just, fans but hate it each hasn't, other hasn't been as competitive that's a better word don't say dormant yeah. the rivalry is still existing yeah I mean, it's not I asleep guess. yeah but if you're lying if you like if you ask a tennessee fan or an alabama fan what they think the outcome's gonna be they're lying to you if they don't say sure Alabama's but i don't about think that dictates whether or not it's a rivalry i want to see i don't think that they, because if we're going off if if something's a rivalry, then Auburn Georgia is not a rivalry right now. I mean, that's fair too. I'm that's just, not fair because that's fair. It's, I, I think what you get on the field, the product that you get on the field, the distaste between the two teams, the fact that they recruit in such close proximity to each other, they compete against each other every single year. The fans have a distaste for each other. That is. 95 to 99 percent of the rivalry whereas the last one to five percent maybe is results that make it more intriguing but for me it's not the results it is the close proximity and the recruiting and the fans and the players having distaste and disdain for each other that makes a rivalry and that's fair all I was trying what I was trying of a cultural aspect than an actual competitive aspect to me and that's fair but what I was trying to the point I was trying to get to with that is I want to see this happen with two teams that are more competitive a rivalry that has been a little bit more competitive people will lose their minds if an Auburn player were to do this like if like if a Georgia player went to Florida like a like a high profile people would lose their minds like let's say if George Pickens wasn't hurt and just for example he went to Florida this year like I want to see something like that and see how the reaction becomes then not saying that any of that's going to happen I'm just saying that you know it is a little bit different than this you're right this has been one-sided so maybe people aren't as upset about it on that front you're right a guy like Justin Ross leaves Clemson and goes somewhere in the SEC like you know something like that that goes to Alabama people would have but that's not happening he said that he wasn't going to transfer just saying like if something like that happened I want to see that I want to see a high profile guy go to a school that they're consistently competing on a like year in and year truly out basis. Truly flip to another side. And just see. Truly cross whoa. the line in the sand. Yes. <laughs> I want to see that. I want to see what that, because this, it's a little easier not to have as much pushback when you say, yeah, I would leave too. If I was him at Tennessee, I'd leave too. Man, imagine if this happened in the Iron Bowl. Oh, man. People are going to riot. Alabama to Auburn or Auburn to Alabama. It would be like a it high would be profile, interesting. High profile player flipping. Like if Bo Nix Bo Nix has a huge year this year and is like, ah, I'm gone, guys, going to Alabama. Like, like I want to see what kind of shit, Ooh. like what that does. Ooh, that'd be crazy. Alabama fans are laughing right now about what we just said about Bo Nix. Oh, they're saying but. we don't want him, but it's fine. <laughs> we'll be back on the other side of this break. You're listening to On the Line. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. 
And as promised, we got Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports on the line with us. Jeremy, how you doing today, my man? What's going on, guys? I hope everything's going well on the plains. It's uh, raining five-star transfers in Tuscaloosa right now. Alabama fans are pretty happy. Well, I hope it's actually not actually raining in Silicaga because I know we've had some weather over the last little bit. You guys staying dry up there? Now, after last week, I don't know how much more rain we can handle it. It rained pretty hard overnight, but the uh, the old basement didn't flood like it did before, so I think we're good to go. Yeah, you were probably shoveling water out, and Alabama's definitely not in a situation where they're trying to shovel five-star linebackers, former four-star linebackers, four-star wide receivers. They've got a nice helping of transfers coming in, the latest Henry To'o of rival Tennessee deciding to uh, to change his colors a little bit. He's trading in the orange for the crimson. What are your thoughts on Henry To'o To'o donning the crimson uniform? Uh, it's going to sound bad to say, but he's, after about a year in, in Knoxville, he was probably thinking, probably should have gone to Alabama uh, out of high school. Listen, this is a top 50 overall recruit in almost every uh, recruiting service. All SEC as a freshman led the team in tackles both of his years uh, in Knoxville. Listen, this is a big-time ad for Alabama, and I think Alabama was very pleased with um, Christian Harris and Jalen Moody at linebacker, and now they just add more depth. Listen, Toto is going to be a starter. He's an absolute stud. Jalen Moody, I mean, he can be on the field as well. I mean, it just makes this Alabama defense more, much more versatile. Now you're looking at Chris Allen, uh, Chris Harris, Toto, Jalen Moody, and Will Anderson as your starting linebackers. I would challenge anybody to uh, bring me a better uh, group of four guys, four, four, four or five guys, better than those four that Alabama's going to put on the field in the fall. And, I mean, even you go back to Jameson Williams, I mean, Alabama, they've had um, some key spots. I think linebacker was a big – not it was a bigger question mark, not a big question mark, but a bigger question mark than a lot of other positions. Um, they go ahead and they take care of that with Henry Tolotolo. So, I don't know, Alabama fans – and Alabama seems to be sitting pretty right now with another leader on defense. I mean, Chris Harris side-by-side side with Henry T. That sounds pretty scary. And I think Pete Golding's reputation in Tuscaloosa, as, as it improved so much after the last four or five ball games of, of last season, uh, Pete Golding's reputation is going to continue to climb in Tuscaloosa. And now a lot of Bama fans were thinking, how long are we going to keep this guy on the sidelines? Now it's turning into probably how long can we keep this guy on the sidelines? I think Pete Golding's about to look much better as the, the talent on defense gets a little better as well. What does this mean from a cultural standpoint in the SEC? Because we opened up the show today talking a little bit about what does it mean that this guy transfers from arch rival to arch rival? Do you think that we will see more of this occur across college football, more importantly in the Southeastern Conference, because of the new transfer rule? Well, you know, I think a little bit of it has to do with the transfer rule, but I also think now that nationwide recruiting is so much bigger than maybe it was 20, 30 years ago. I mean, uh, you know, 30 years ago, a lot of guys didn't come from California and Nevada and and come to the SEC, Tennessee, Mississippi, Alabama, and Florida. Usually it kind of stayed right here in the Southeast. And a a player from Tennessee, you'd never think would ever go play for the Crimson and White and vice versa. But now – Nationwide recruiting, all these camps, all the players know each other. Kids from Florida, no kids from Oregon. They're all at the rivals camps. They're all at the Spark camps. I just think that that already makes it easier and more comfortable for these guys to leave one school, go to the other, especially when you're talking about a high-caliber player that were at these camps with all these other high-caliber players. Now you enter an unlimited transfer portal. You can leave here. You can leave there. 
It's not just left up to grad transfers right now. You don't even have to sit out. Um, I think you're going to see what Nick Saban said about a month ago. Good players are going to leave bad teams. They're going to go to good programs, and the rich are going to get get richer. Nick Saban has asked this question so many times. He offensively said is in 2013-14, is this what you want college football to look like? And everybody said he was scared, and everybody said that he can't keep up with Gus Malzahn and guys like Dan Mullen. Well, Nick Saban was just asking you a question. Now you have to deal with it. And he asked us a couple of years ago, transfers. Uh, some guys were leaving Alabama. You had Marie Smith and some other guys try to go to Georgia. Is this what you want college football to look like? He looked every one of us in the face and asked that, and we just doubted Nick Saban. We thought he was scared. We were trying to think that he was trying to hop through the system and maybe college football would bow down to him because he wasn't somebody else was finally going to have a competitive advantage over him. No, Nick Saban's the Alabama's, the Georgia's, the Clemson's, the Ohio State's. They benefit from this. Everybody else is going to get left by the wayside. Nick Saban asked everybody, is this how they wanted college football to be? He tried to warn you, and now Alabama's just going to be pulling in the five-star transfers. To go on top of that, as we're speaking with Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports, I said in our last break, I said, Alabama has transcended the transfer portal already, right? Because Alabama is more in demand than Alabama searching for these players in the transfer portal, right? Like, players need Alabama more than Alabama needs the transfer portal. And and I'm sure you would agree with that sentiment. So translating that to Alabama's approach to the transfer portal, Alabama's just not going around perusing the transfer portal to try and fill needs every year. They're probably pretty comfortable with how they recruit freshmen every single season. They're just looking for the tip-top best players that maybe decide that they want to leave their current location, such as Henry Toto. Yeah, listen, Nick Saban's not trying to grab the the guy from Mississippi State that wasn't happy about Mississippi State because he didn't ever get to play and he's trying to move on to, uh, you know, an Oklahoma State or just a program that's not at Alabama's caliber. When Nick Saban goes to the transfer portal, he's going for a guy like Henry Toto, Jameson Williams, a guy that, that once said, I don't want to, he was on Alabama's radar. He's probably in their final three schools in, when they were coming out of high school and he's saying, okay, this guy's back in the portal. We know he's good and he can help our football team. I think Brian Harson needs to go into the portal. But Brian Harson, just for depth purposes, Alabama doesn't need to go into the portal for depth purposes. Alabama's going into the portal for the most dominant and the best of the best players in the portal. And some years they may not want any, but when a Henry T hits the portal and he wants to come to Alabama, you're going to take him 10 out of 10 times. And Alabama has this. What that does for Alabama's defense next year, I don't think you can even describe what it's going to do for them. It's going to be one of the best defenses, and I think they're going to be much improved, even if you can improve from where they were when they left off against Ohio State in still a dominating defensive performance in the college football playoff national title game. Can you tell me a little bit about Jamison Williams? I feel like his name and him himself has kind of been buried by the Toho Toho News. So can you tell me a little bit about him? Yeah, it's a, a former top receiver in the country. I'm pretty sure he's cracking the top 100 in a lot of the recruiting services. But, listen, he's behind Alave and some other really good players. But you also got to realize what he's about, what he could have gone through at Ohio State. Alabama has a, a what feels like a proven quarterback with Bryce Young coming to anchor this team. Ohio State's going to have three, maybe four guys potentially taking their very first snaps in college football this year. So, from a wide receiver standpoint and from a guy whose goal is to get to the league, are you really going to waste a year at Ohio State not knowing who is going to be throwing you the football? And I think a little bit of it has to do with 
you know, um, maybe some of these guys Alabama recruited at receiver, not this year, because I think every guy that they recruited at receiver this year is very good. But, I mean, what if Baker doesn't have it? What if some of these other guys don't have it? And you also realize you just lose Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. If you can add some depth and some experience depth, the guy that has been on the field in big-time college football to your wide receivers group, I don't see why you wouldn't do it. I think he's a fast player. He's a good player. He can go up and catch the football. He's going to add some big-time college football experience to that group as well. Maybe Alabama sees a little bit of Devontae Smith and Jamison Williams because you look at his frame, he's six foot one and a half, one sixty nine, according to his twenty four seven sports page, and you were right on it. He was top one hundred in the twenty four seven sports composite at eighty two nationally across all players, across all positions, and the thirteenth wide receiver in the country. You hit the nail on the head earlier when you said Nick Saban's going after top guys in college football. Maybe they do see a little bit of Devontae Smith and Jamison Williams. Uh, man, I think a similar guy. Let's not let's not start comparing people to the first wide receiver to win the Heisman Trophy since Desmond <laughs> Howard. Let's pump the brakes. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. What about another rumored guy that was supposed to go into the portal? I get on Twitter yesterday, guys. People are saying that Justin Ross is going into the portal. Auburn fans are thinking Justin Ross is coming to catch balls from Bo Nix. I mean, well, what are, what are you guys thinking on the plane to me? I just I kind of just started, you know. Uh, Hackling a little bit, laughing like, why would Justin Ross leave Clemson to from playing with one of the best quarterbacks in possibly the country, DJ Ongalalele, or however you pronounce his name, to come to the Plains and, and, and catch balls from Bo Nix, who's an unproven quarterback? To be fair, and I know that's all good ribbing, I saw equally as much stuff on there about Justin Ross going to Alabama. And then Justin Ross came out later and said earlier today that he will not be transferring. So I don't know where that rumor got started, but he himself said that he would not be transferring. So, you know. That would have been huge moves, though. We were talking about major players flipping from another major university to go to someone like Alabama and how that would change the game. We're seeing some dramatic things in college football with Henry Toho Toho. I'm, I'm curious to see when that first big, when that first big seismic shift happens in college football between that trio of universities, Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama. I, I think this Henry Toho Toho coming to Alabama is kind of just it's a shift. Really. It's almost like. I know Henry Toto is not Justin Fields, but when Justin Fields left Georgia and went to Ohio State, you knew that team was going to be instantly better. That that side of the football was going to be changed. I think that Alabama's defense is just instantly going to be changed by Henry T coming to Tuscaloosa. And listen, you're a what what happens guys more in the portal and an established quarterback like a Justin Fields who maybe didn't have any problems at Georgia, was all happy and he just says I just don't want to be here anymore. Let me just – Alabama's loaded or Ohio State's loaded or Clemson looks good this year and they're going to have a true freshman quarterback because of Trevor Lawrence just left. Just let me let me pack my bags and go with Tad North to, to South Carolina and Clemson over there and just play quarterback. Like, is that where college football's going? Also, because how that do we protect like against never been tampering? What the game's about. Also, how do yeah, we I mean, protect – Yeah, how are you? It, it's funny how guys go into the portal and they already know where they're going. That's right. That's right. Or they have a pretty good idea about it. I just, I just, sorry, to, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I was just kind of no, curious about right. how people, right. how people protect against that because the NBA doesn't do a great job of it. Only, only in name, right? Well, Jeremy, I appreciate it, my man. Thanks for hopping on with us. Tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me at IMJ underscore Law on Twitter. You can find uh, Noah's work on RadioAlabamaSports.net. We always appreciate people visiting the website, following us on Twitter. And uh, uh, thanks, guys. I appreciate the time. It's always fun to talk a little college football with you. Appreciate it, Jeremy. Hope you have a good afternoon, my man.
That was Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports hopping on the line with us. We're going to take a quick break here, and when we come back, we're going to wrap up hour number one of On the Line. You are on the line live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama as well as you can also watch us on Facebook. ESPN 106.7, Fox Sports Central Alabama, and Radio Alabama Sports. That's how you can watch the show. Call in at 334-321-1390. We're taking your calls. Keep up with all of the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well, at Radio AL Sports. Between collegiate and high school sports content, we've got you covered. Once again, that's RadioAlabamaSports.net. Fun show for you guys so far today. Talked a lot about Henry To'o To'o announcing his decision to join the Alabama Crimson Tide at Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports on with us. And now we're number one. If you missed any of that, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all of those great locations. Be sure to go and find it. And listen to it. Subscribe, download it. Just listen. Yeah, you, I mean, you don't even have to listen. Just turn it on, man. <laughs> just go on there, turn it on. You can leave the room. You know, put it, put your kids to bed with it. Listen to it while you work out, when you're driving the car, when you're eating dinner. You know, and I, I keep telling you guys again: subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe again, like it, unlike it, like it again. Just keep pumping those numbers up. <laughs> Let's start off hour number two here with. Who are the top intra-conference transfers in the SEC? And I had this thought occur to me after Henry Toto announced his decision to go to Alabama and transfer, leaving one rival, going for another, headed south to Alabama. I thought that was a big deal. And I was like, well, I wonder how much intra-conference transferring has actually occurred because there is still a waiver required to be able to play the next season. If you go from one SEC team to another, you still need to get permission. So I wondered how many guys actually that was pertaining to so far, if it was just Henry Toto or if it was somebody else. And there really hasn't been a whole lot of movement in the SEC from one program to another. There really hasn't. A lot of guys have left the conference. Some guys have gone to some big-name universities, such as Texas, USC, Ohio State, Clemson. We've seen some guys move. And we've seen guys enter, but we have not seen guys stay within the league a whole lot. This was a big moment because I wonder if we see that change in the future and future transfer portals for next season and beyond in terms of recruiting classes because the SEC is expected to strike down its rule where you would need permission or a waiver in order to be able to play the next season but or right away to be immediately eligible if you go from SEC program to SEC program. But I wanted to look at who are the top intra-conference transfers in the SEC for the 2021 football season that could make the most impact 
right away. Levi, you got a list together, or are we rocking with mine here? I say we rock with yours. I think there's not going to be too much change here because there, there hasn't there wasn't been that a whole many. Lot. You're right. So the only thing that differs, it might be one player over another. One You're player correct. over another. So I think that we're probably going to have the same list here same based five. off of what I'm looking at, but... You go ahead. I'll I'll let you kick off with what you got for number five. Well, you're going to hate this one because you hate soccer players. But and I don't even know if Joseph Bulovus has ever played soccer. But he has to be on the list though because he's there he's, wasn't a whole lot going on. And I once again specified that this is for the 2021 football season. Ole Miss to Arkansas, I believe. Cade Renfro made the jump, or maybe it was vice versa. I can't remember. But that was a quarterback moving locations. And that could play an impact in the future, but both of those teams have their quarterbacks nailed down, right? Jefferson at Arkansas, who everybody's super pumped up about. At least that's the that's the underrated dark horse quarterback that everybody's loving. And then you've got Matt Corral at Ole Miss and then John Rice Plum Lee. So neither of those two teams really hurting for a quarterback in the moment, but maybe that's something to look at down the line, depending on I can't remember which school he went to. He either went from Ole Miss to Arkansas or Arkansas to Ole Miss. But outside of that, not a whole lot of movement outside of these five guys that we've got. And I put Joseph Bullivis on this list. Alabama to Vanderbilt. People remember Bullivis as an Alabama kicker. Bullivis, he's got the ability to hit the long ball. I actually think uh, one of his seasons at Alabama, he was three for three on kicks from 40 to 49 yards out. 2018, that's correct. I got the statue in front of me. You're good. All right, well, then I'm go through it. Go through say, it I'm, then. Help me I'm, here. I'm about to say, I'm not, I'm not uh, the what, most knowledgeable Does it have it. anything on his 50-plus yarders? He's 0-for-1, one, one attempt over his career at Alabama, 50-plus. But he was 3-for-3 three three in 2018, 40-49. 1-for-2 last year on those as well. Didn't kick anything 1-19. to 19, Not surprising. Alabama's been a pretty good offense those two years. You would expect if they're that close. They're usually scoring or going for they it. They started moving on from him around that time as well. He kicked. He had more kicks in 18, right? Uh, yes, it does look like he had more kicks. He had 18. He had seven more attempts in 18. Yeah, they started moving on from him. And maybe a little bit of that has to do with the fact that beyond 50, he's been a non-factor up to this point. He's about a 75% kicker across his career at Alabama. There hasn't been a lot of SEC talent, like I said, moving to other SEC teams. So this guy actually has the ability to affect the scoreboard and I was like well let's just put him on the list he can score points he's a name that most people know out of the SEC and he's moving from Alabama to Vanderbilt he has a chance to help Vanderbilt in year one score some points so that's the only reason why he's on the list but there just really hasn't been a whole lot of movement but Bullivis does end up there he is believe it or not one of the top five guys I, I don't know does that say more about Bullivis or does that say more about the fact that a lot of guys haven't been transferring inside the SEC I think it's more about the fact that there has been a lot of guys transferring the SEC. The way, point. the way I see it is, you know how I feel. Get the soccer players out of my game of football. I don't <laughs> want them anywhere near the game of football. And if you are going to have to force feed me one, don't make me a guy who's three of four most of the time. Don't give me a 75% guy. You better be hitting 100% or I don't want you <laughs> on the field. That's just how I feel about it. Also, I think the big thing that like actually from a realistic perspective, of if I'm actually, you know, I'm actually like looking into, you know, Bullivis and looking at his stats. He's the one who missed the game tying field goal in the 2019 Iron Bowl. Yeah, it loses you games. Yeah, <laughs> I'd rather have a kicker not lose me a game. But the extra points miss has been kind of the big one for me. He missed two this past year, and he missed six in 2018. It's like the the extra point. It, it makes more sense when you're missing it at the NFL. They moved it back to a 30 yard field goal. A little bit more variance there. But at college, I mean, that you should never be missing those, especially at that high amount. 
Like, if you're missing six in a season, like, that, those should be gimmies. Those are free throws. You should be hitting almost all of your extra points. Like, that's, to, to me, when I see kickers missing extra points, it, like, it's laughably bad for me. Like, you should not be missing those at the collegiate level. Could be negative for Vanderbilt if he doesn't improve. Yeah, I mean, it, I said he had the ability to affect the scoreboard. I should have said positively and negatively, but he he did move. If people are wondering where Joseph Bulovus is, he's he's going to Vanderbilt. Yeah, and they needed and they needed some kickers, so they need a kicker. And Bulovus has shown that he does have the ability to at least hit, you know, seventy five percent of of whatever. You know, I, I hate kickers, man. I really hate them. <laughs> Again, I just aggravating. Well, let's go to fourth on my list. Still a guy who's lesser known, at least in this part of the Southeastern Conference, but actually out west or northwest of where we're at. Markel Utsi, or Utsi, I don't, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but Markel Utsi from Missouri to Arkansas. Utsi hasn't been a major factor for Missouri at all during his three, four years with the Tigers up to this point. But like I said, not a whole lot of movement in the league at this point. It says something that Arkansas is able to get an SEC quality player, meaning somewhat quality depth is coming on the line. This guy, defensive lineman, a defensive tackle, to be a little bit more specific, headed to Arkansas. So that this helps Arkansas out a little bit in an area where now they can at least add somewhat quality depth, an SEC veteran, if you will to help them out of the line and that's an area where Arkansas really could will take any depth that they can get anywhere else yeah it's good for it's good for depth purposes and we said that earlier when we were talking about Toho Toho it's nice to have a guy who it's always nice to have a guy who played in the SEC and showed you that they are good in the SEC but even if that's not the case it's nice to have a person who is at least familiar with the conference familiar with what's going on you know you're getting an SEC caliber player whether or not it panned out that well at Missouri or not, it is nice to have a guy like that. And even from you just take this guy and what he might contribute to Arkansas out of the pers- like out of the equation, you're able to go to a guy who is at an SEC school and get him to come to you. So you're you're at least showing that you can go to and like, a rival. They played yeah. each other for the last game of the season. I mean, that's Mis- rivalry week. Missouri should be in the West, but we'll we'll keep go. We'll, we'll get on that another. What are you day. talking about? That's yeah. That's East. Yeah, the most Eastern team that we have, Missouri, in the Eastern Conference. It is if you look at the map upside down. Wait, you've been looking at it upside down? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but no, uh, it's it's nice to just show, especially with Arkansas. It's not a Arkansas isn't a sexy location in terms for transfers or even recruits they want to go to because you think Arkansas you're not thinking like man I would love to take football out of the equation I would love to live in Arkansas people don't say that that often so it's usually either you've got a good program or you're somewhere that is at least somewhat appealing Arkansas doesn't have that so to be able to go and get a guy from what you said an SEC rival that's at least nice and I mean you can never have too much defensive line depth I mean, those like it's, like that's a good that's a good been a position. factor, but the, maybe that's why he's moving on. Maybe he might, he's going to be a factor he, in Fayetteville. He he might think that he could go to Arkansas and play, and we might be able to see this guy actually come in and make an impact. It's not bad. I it's not the most flashy of transfers, but you look at it and you think Arkansas could do worse. Gives you some depth. I like the move. 
going to number three on my list of top intra-conference transfers in the SEC to make an impact this upcoming year in 2021, whether it's positive or negative. I just said make an impact. Yes, I'm looking at you, Joseph Bullivis. But Jameer Johnson, Tennessee to Texas A&M, one of the many offensive linemen, one of the many players to transfer out of the Tennessee program. He is going to Texas A&M to help bolster a line that lost four of its five starters off of last season's offensive line that was a wrecking crew. Johnson is the former number six overall JUCO offensive tackle when he was a part of the class of 2018 for Tennessee. He adds veteran experience to an offensive line sorely needing it. Now that we've shaved off the fat here of four and five on this list, now I think we're actually getting to somebody that factors in to be a substantial difference maker on a team that is looking to compete this upcoming season in the SEC. Texas A&M needed help on the O-line, and Jameer Johnson provides that. It, it's it's a great move for A&M because we know what's happened to their offensive line over the offseason and losing a lot of talent on the offensive line. you got to get guys in. You're getting Jameer Johnson, a guy who's 6'5", 300 pounds. He can help shore up the offensive line a little bit. You're getting a guy who was, you said the number six? Number, number six overall Juco offensive tackle. Yeah, you're getting a guy who was highly, you know, who is highly valued. You're getting a guy who is familiar with the S, you know, who is an SEC caliber guy coming from Tennessee. I think this move could actually help A&M. And if you're looking at it from uh, who's going to impact, he can definitely impact it. It might be negatively as well if he doesn't, you know, pan out and show up, but... With A&M and their line help, they went out and addressed that, and I like the move simply for the fact that it didn't feel like they were just, oh, this guy's in the transfer portal. Let's go grab him. It was more of a, hey, we need help, and this guy could do it. Moving on to number two, my top two here. We'll try and squeeze in before we head to break. Daquan Newkirk headed from Auburn to Florida. You almost were able to include Big Cat Bryant, fellow defensive lineman on this list because he was committed to Tennessee and then he jumped ship when Jeremy Pruitt got fired and now he's at Central Florida so we cannot include that on this list but Daquan Newkirk moving from Auburn to Florida at times Newkirk really showed out for Auburn I felt like he had some he had some good games and he had some games where he was rather non-existent but due to injuries he was fairly inconsistent for Auburn Florida's defensive tackle room needed some bodies for depth. Believe it or not, Florida's a 3-4 defensive line sometimes. Kind of hybrid these days, but you do see them with a little bit more of that 3-4 look, which is another part of why you see Florida guys on that defensive line go year in and year out to the NFL because there's a lot of 3-4 defenses in the NFL. He adds a veteran presence up front, and if he can stay away from injuries, if he can generate consistency, we all know because we've watched this guy the last two years at Auburn. We know that he can make an impact up front for Florida, not only in run stopping, but also in pass rushing. This guy's a little bit more versatile than some guys that you see in the interior. He could end up playing 3-4 defensive end, could play defensive tackle. I think you could shift him around the defensive line. Daquan Newkirk offers Florida. There, there's a reason why Florida wanted this guy. Like Florida is a high-profile program of the SEC. They just went to the SEC championship they too were also in the market for good players in the transfer portal. They didn't just get this guy to bring this guy in. They actually believe that Daquan Newkirk is going to help them next season on the defensive side of the football and that he can play a substantial role in that defense. And he's a guy that you think who can immediately come in and make an impact. We, we saw it, me, me and you saw it very closely watching Auburn football. And I'm disappointed to lose him. 
Yeah, I mean, he was a guy that you you didn't want to lose. You wanted him back. And he's a guy who you think is going to go to Florida, be able to provide some sort of presence on that defensive line. And you did hit that on the head when you said Florida typically pumps out guys on the defensive line to the NFL quite frequently. And yep. it, that's a spot where you're going to be highlighted in a spotlight. People are going to see you. And it makes sense. He's a Florida guy. You want to go back to your home state. You want to go play for the Gators. Florida wanted him. High profile. They, You just said it. They just went to the SEC Championship this year. You can do worse than getting a guy like Daquan Newkirk to come help provide some sort of a presence on that defensive line. He's the best defensive lineman that moved from an SEC program to another SEC program. For, for sure. And he's a guy, I'll keep saying it, you love getting a guy who is familiar with the SEC. You also like getting a guy who played and showed you that he can compete in the SEC. And as long as injuries do not hamper Daquan Newkirk, I think he will be able to show that at Florida as well. And then you can figure who is at the top of my list of intra-conference transfers in the SEC to make an impact for this upcoming football season. It's Henry Toto, Tennessee to Alabama. This is the biggest transfer in the SEC right now for me. I'm trying to think of some other guys that have come into the league and there a lot of those players are going to have a hard time matching even the top players that are coming from the outside in are going to have a hard time matching what impact To'o To'o will be able to make with the Alabama defense next season because To'o To'o fills a need for Alabama next year shores up the interior of their linebacking core and he's going to eat up tackles he already had 70 plus tackles both seasons at Tennessee through these past two years and now He's no longer having to just be the anchor of a defense. Everybody's good on the Alabama defense. Go and look at how they recruit. Everybody's good. Now this guy's going to be able to actually roam the field to go and play and be able to play carefree and not have to be the best player on his defense. And he still might end up being one of the best players, if not the best player on that defense. The guy gets to play alongside a fellow linebacker that also has NFL aspirations with Christian Harris. This linebacking core went from being, from having a hole from it would still be one of the better linebacker groups in the SEC but went from being you know maybe third in the SEC in linebackers to now being first or second in the SEC in linebackers they moved up a spot in linebacker rankings because they were able to bring in Henry To'o To'o you already knew he was one of the best linebackers in the SEC when he was playing in Knoxville and now he's playing in a crimson uniform that changes things a little bit as Dylan Moses moves on to the NFL for Alabama leaves leaves an open gap for To'o To'o to come and start right away he's got the talent and the playing time to make the biggest impact among transfers in the SEC and, and even guys coming into the league that that were not from other SEC programs he, like I said north of 70 tackles last two seasons at Tennessee and this guy definitely has the ability to play at the next level and Alabama can take him there I would not be shocked I said earlier in the show Alabama the one-stop shop for sophomores in college football looking to transfer and they go and play in the NFL after one season at Alabama I mean that that's a really long tagline but 100% these guys can sophomores that have big years big two years at some of these you know gray line programs that are right below the top tier but aren't really succeeding your Tennessee's your Auburn's places like that you can go to Alabama and you can make it to the league after one year with the Crimson Tide with the show out season if you end up getting the playing time that you need. And I don't think that's really going to be a question for Toe Toe. Let's take a quick break here on On the Line. When we come back, we'll tell you about where Auburn's currently looking and the transfer portal, who will be the top newcomer for Auburn football in 2021. We'll be back on the other side of this break. 
Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dahl wrapping up the show with you all. Got about four minutes left in the show here before the drive with Bill Cameron follows us from 4 to 6 as they do every weekday on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Before we wrap up the show, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. CBS has new episodes of its Monday lineup at 7, Catch the Neighborhood at 7.30. It's Bob Hart's Abishola and at 8, All Rise. The Voice has the live top 17 performances at 7 on NBC. Some movie selections for tonight with the help of Nemo and his dad. Dory is off to search for her parents. Finding Dory is on ABC at 7. Hugh Jackman stars in X-Men Origins Wolverine at 7.30 on Sci-Fi. In live sports, the NBA is entering its final week of the regular season with the playoff race heating up. Two games are on NBA TV at 6.30. The Atlanta Hawks host Russell Westbrook and the Washington Wizards. At 9, it'll be the number one team in the Western Conference, the Utah Jazz, against the current eight seed, the Golden State Warriors. The MLB has one game on ESPN with an American League West matchup between the Los Angeles Angels and the Houston Astros at 7.10. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Back on On the Line, Noah Garner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dahl with you for the last two minutes of the show. And then it'll be the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Pack from 4 to 6 here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Taking you through this past weekend, Auburn baseball dropped two out of three to LSU. That gentleman officially, in my mind, closes the book on Auburn's NCAA tournament hopes, and it really puts a damper on SEC tournament hopes as well. Now, with that being said, as far as the standings are concerned, Auburn is still a game ahead of Missouri at the moment. There you go. In terms of trying to make it to the SEC tournament. But they're a game behind Texas A&M. And so they need to jump past A&M to be able to make it into the SEC tournament. And guess what? If, if only they got to play them. They do. Mm. Hey, they do. <laughs> yeah, at home this weekend, they'll be taking on Texas A&M. They're on the road against Sanford tomorrow in Hoover, which may be the very last time that they're in Hoover this year, in this calendar year. But, you know... They'll beat, uh, you know, if they take two out of three against A&M, that will tie A&M in the standings. And then after that, you've got to take two out of three against Missouri. And I'm trying to pull up A&M's schedule right here to see where A&M stands as far as their schedule is concerned. A&M will wrap up the year against LSU, which honestly, not the toughest opponent that you could be facing at the end of the year. Still a team that's only two spots away from last of the SEC West has really been underwhelming compared to you know most year standards for LSU. Now LSU should should win that series, but I wouldn't be shocked if A and M took two out of three against LSU. But it, it, even if they did do that, I believe the tiebreaker is head to head. And if Auburn wins this series against A and M and wins the series against Missouri, Auburn should be playing in the SEC tournament at season's end, which does leave the door open for the NCAA tournament if you were to win the entire thing but i highly doubt that will occur i don't i don't think it's likely but i think auburn definitely does have a shot and although we continue to say eh, it's looking grim you know there's still always a chance and i think this tiger team has has progressively gotten better as the season has gone on or the schedule got with, easier as, as far as it, because the <laughs> schedule's gotten easier but i think i think auburn's definitely got a shot i don't i don't see a&m taking two out of three against lsu after watching them play auburn I, don't, I just don't see that happening. So I've got a lot of faith in Auburn to make the SEC tournament. Auburn just didn't bring the bats this weekend against LSU. And they, they kept fighting. And I'm glad to see them get that win on Sunday because sometimes you might see a propensity of an Auburn baseball team to like lay down in that kind of game. They didn't. They, they kept fighting. And now they've got only a handful of games left. they got eight games left in the year. 
try and make their mark. Go and make the most of it. Go and make the most of the rest of your day and your evening. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Same time, same place. You know where to find us.